0: Um, we're going to read from Psalm 126. And, uh, psalm 126 can be found. Uh, you may be looking for it on your phone, but if, if you're picking up a church Bible, it's on page 623, 623, and we're reading Psalm 126. Uh, it's a great psalm of celebration and encouragement and challenge. And the psalmist writes this. Uh, this psalm was written after the people of Israel were brought back from exile uh, back to to Israel, to Jerusalem. The psalmist writes this, When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. Amen.
1: All right, AJ. Thank you very much um, for reading, for praying. Let me just throw these leads out of the way because I fall over them. There we go. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, yes, I'm aware it's 25 past 11. Uh, yes, I'm going to preach a sermon. If you've got sweets with you, share them with people beside you. That's my advice. Um, I, I am totally convinced that what I have to say this morning is, is something from God for our community in this moment, in this season, And at several points this week, including about 30 seconds ago, I had a moment of doubt as to whether I should preach this, and yet God continuously has said to me, this is what I have for this church in this moment. So Father, come and speak by your Spirit through your Word and open our hearts, because we are yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Most of you know the story of my son, Archie. He's not here. He's with grandparents today down in in Tandrogi. But most of you know the story of our son, Archie, that when he was born, when he was two months old, he had a significant uh, bleed on his brain. One of the blood vessels uh, just erupted. There was no obvious reason. Nobody saw it coming. We had no idea. And it left him with really severe epilepsy. It meant all of his development just regressed and kept regressing every time he had a spate of seizures. Um, For that first year, he he was critically, critically ill. He was back and forward to Great Ormond Street, and they were considering major surgery. He um, spent four and a half months of his first year of life in hospital, and we had a one-year-old daughter at home, and and, and life was was hell, and and I use that word literally. And, And in the course of the journey... Over the past number of years, around church, Christians ha- have spoken words over our son. We were told by doctors that, that he-, he won't speak because of our, the damages in his brain. We were told by doctors that he will probably, not definitely, but probably never walk. And most Sundays, it's quiet in here today, but most Sundays, he's the one you hear shouting. So he is. And I, I don't apologize for that because that's his way of praising God. Um... But at different times in our journey, people have spoken words, Christians in church have spoken words over Archie that that, that tell us that he is going to experience God's healing. Uh, One of the times it was to us as a family where he was feeling incredibly frustrated uh, and God said to us, you know, pray for words. I want to release words in your son." And so as a family, we gathered and we, we prayed for Archie every night. And we said, Father, just release words in him. Help him to be able to communicate and ease the frustration that he feels. And I, I know it's impossible, God, but, but you're the God of the impossible. And after a while of praying that, Archie started to speak. One word, two words, three words. And now he shouts and tells us exactly what he wants. Another time we were in church and... Um, the pastor, it wasn't the church I worked in, it was the church we were visiting that Sunday and the pastor came and, and prayed with Archie and as he prayed with him, he said, you know, I, I see Archie's brain like just a, a mash of, of all these different electrical wires and some have been cut and disconnected and the edges are frayed and the wires have been stripped back but they're not making connections and they're all muddled up in different colors everywhere and God wants to reconnect and make connections and allow neurological pathways to be open to allow his development to come and he prayed with him and we saw some breakthrough we saw some healing in that moment and I guess what I want to talk about this morning I share this morning as we kick off is that as a family we live in this tension and that tension is the celebration of answered prayer because we have seen answered prayer in Archie's life but also the agony of seeing much prayer not answered for him as well. Of seeing some of those promises of God and those words spoken being fulfilled in his life and, and others not answered yet, that agony of unanswered prayer. And question I want to pose I guess we want to talk about promises this morning and and the question I want to pose is have you been praying for something for for days and weeks and months and years and and you haven't seen breakthrough and you're on the verge of giving up have you have you prayed for for healing for something and and yet the pain continues and the cancer keeps coming back and, and and the condition doesn't go away have you, have you been praying for, for a marriage? Have you been praying for a child to, to come back to faith? Have you been praying for, for this country that we live in of Northern Ireland where, where we get a peace process and then it stalls and, and then we get a government and then it falls apart and, and now we're in the middle of Brexit and we don't know what's happening and, and there's an there's a attitude in our country, in our psyche that it'll never change. And we pray into the promise and hope of change, and yet we live in the agony and disappointment of it not. Have you, have you been there, church? Do you know what I'm talking about? This psalm that, that we're thinking about this morning that Gary read, Psalm 126, it's a celebration of breakthrough. It's a celebration of answered prayer. Do you catch the celebration in it? It, it? It's caught in, it's part of the psalms of ascent that are celebrating. I, I'm crackling a lot. What am I doing wrong? Is it me or you? It's me? Okay, we're good. I got a nod. I'm good. I'm good. You still hear me? Wonderful. Good, good. It's a it's psalm. It, no, we're not. Hold on. Let me change pockets if that helps. Okay, let's try that and see if it does anything. Uh, it's a celebration of breakthrough. And this psalm in Psalm 126 is actually the story, the celebration of the story in Ezra chapter one that we read. And Gary alluded to it earlier, and it's, it's the exiles coming back into Jerusalem. It happened in 538 BC. It happened when Persia was the ruling force at the time. And Sarius, who was the king of Persia, issued, had just come into power, and he issued a decree, and he said, I want to release all of the Jewish people who are captive here, and I want to allow you to return to your own country And I want you to do it with a purpose. I want you to go back to your own country. And I want you to rebuild the temple to Yahweh, to your God. So people, not just the Jewish people, but people from all over the world, have a place to come and worship God. And and what we see here is the celebration of that promise being fulfilled. And when King Sarius issues this decree, puts out an invitation, he says, who's in? Who's in? Who wants to be all into this? Who wants to be part of this story? And the first couple of chapters of Ezra just list the generosity of the people. It's like our accountants, our our, our treasurer's financial statement. It says what people give, gold and silver and everything. They emptied their pockets and they give to the work of rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. And they didn't just give financially, they also gave off their talents, their time, their lives. They said, I am all in, in this season. Here's the question, church. Why were they so committed? Why was there such a massive response from these people? Well, the reason for it is, and you have to go back a little bit, the reason they were so committed that they give their money and their lives, the reason the psalmist says that our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy, the reason they were so committed to it was that years previously, The Babylonian Empire had come and invaded Israel and invaded Judah. And they had destroyed Jerusalem and pulled the wall down in Jerusalem. They had carried off all the treasure from the temple in Jerusalem. They had taken it apart brick by brick so the temple was in rubble in Jerusalem. And they had taken the people of Jerusalem, the young men of Jerusalem, and carried them into exile in Babylon. It's the story, church, of Daniel that we read about. You know the story? That's the story. That's the context for this. And it happened years before. And, and these people are living as refugees in Babylon. They are living separated from their families. They are libera- living separated from their land and their national identity. They are living separated from the temple and from God. They are living separated from this hope that they had that God was going to do something in them that was going to bless the whole earth. They're living in this place of separation, lost everything, and saying, God help us, God help us, God help us. And and 70 years before this Psalm, 70 years before the story in Ezra chapter 1, Jeremiah the prophet comes along and he speaks into that situation. And he says words that I guarantee you, half of you have on a bookmark in your Bible or printed on your wall or somewhere in your house because you think it's a cool verse. (laughs) Jeremiah the prophet comes along and into this nation that is devoid of hope and has lost everything, he says, God's words over you. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to, to prosper you, plans to give you a future. Into a people that have nothing, God speaks. Into a nation that has lost everything, God speaks and says, I have not forgotten you. Some of you are here today and feel far from God. God is saying to you, I have not forgotten you. I have goodness for you. I have hope for you. I have life for you. I have not forgotten you, says the Lord. And yet, this promise from God, it just feels so distant, so far removed from everything that these people are living through every day. It's like like a drop of water onto a parched land. It just feels so alien. It feels almost impossible. It feels impossible. It's, It's the whisper of faith. And the promise of faith spoken to a parent who has a child who doesn't come to church and has given up on Jesus That's that whisper of God saying, I'm not finished here yet. And it seems impossible, but it's that promise from God. It's, it's the whisper of, of love spoken over a marriage where there has been years of no intimacy and no tenderness and no physicality. It's it's the whisper of breakthrough into communities around a church like like Clonduff and Clarowood where where we've been serving and praying and loving and giving for years and yet we haven't seen a move of God that has brought hundreds to faith. It's the whisper of breakthrough. Keep going, God says. Keep going. It's the whisper of of revival over a city like Belfast that is increasingly secular, increasingly hedonistic, increasingly individualistic, increasingly opposed to the gospel and the ideas that we stand for as church. God says, I've done it in the past, I can do it again. And he whispers revival. It's the whisper of healing over a child who's lived for eight years with disability. And it's just a whisper. It's just a whisper. Church, has God made you a promise? Has God made you a promise? And I'm not talking about wishful thinking or nostalgia or something that you just really, really want. That's not what I mean. I mean, have you lifted your Bibles? and read something in your devotional time, or heard something preached, that just wrecks you, that just feels so connected to what you're going through, and the struggle and agony of your life, and as you read it, your heart burns, and you think, God, is this really for me? Has God made you a promise? Or by His Holy Spirit, has God made you a promise? And I don't just mean a feeling, but has he given you a picture or a word through somebody or straight to you that feels so relevant? Like Billy was sharing in his video, it felt like the sermon was just for him. It feels so relevant to his situation. And that word, that picture, is consistent with Scripture. That's important, guys. It has to be consistent with God's word. He doesn't speak in ways that contradict his word. Has God given you a promise? Has God given you a promise? Because you need to know that God keeps his promises. We're taking rainbows back. They're ours, we had them first. God keeps his promise. God keeps his promise. God keeps his promise. With Abraham, who was 80 years old and more, and God said, I'm gonna give you land, I'm gonna give you a family, I'm gonna give you children, and they're gonna outnumber the stars in the sky, and Abraham thinks, God, that's impossible. But if you know the story, God keeps his promise. With Moses, uh, 80 years old, there's something about that, 80 years old, in the wilderness, run away from everything, Thinking he's just marking time till his life is over, and God turns up and says to him, I'm going to choose you and I'm going to use you to liberate a nation and do miracles that people are going to talk about 3,000 years later. I'm going to use you to change the course of human history. I'm going to be with you as you do it. It seemed impossible. But, church, God keeps his promises. And, And when Jesus. When Jesus came and he gave his life on the cross, when he died, and when he died, he was thinking about you and your sins and forgiving you and loving you and claiming you for his own and bringing you into his family and saying, I'm not finished with you. Your life is not over. Your life is not purposeless. Your life is not purposeless? No. Yes, okay. I got carried away. But it's true. When he died on the cross, he was thinking of you. He died in your place so that the shame that is wrecking you at the minute, the hopelessness that Billy shared in his story that that was wrecking him, isn't the end of the story. Because do you know what, church? Church? When Jesus died on the cross to give you hope and forgiveness and a future, and when he rose again from the dead, 353 promises of God were fulfilled in that moment. Because church, God keeps his promises. Has God made you a promise? Has God made you a promise? Has God made you a promise? This Psalm 126, it's written in two parts. If your Bible's open, have a look at it. Because the first three verses are written in the past tense. They're talking about what God has done in the past, they're talking about God's faithfulness in the past. And the second three verses, verses four to six, are written in the future tense and they're written about celebration in the future, and what the psalmist is communicating in the literary structure of this psalm, is that because God has been faithful in the past, we can lift our hands in church, and in spite of chemotherapy, and in spite of disappointment, and in spite of of sickness, and in spite of family struggles, and in spite of financial problems, we can lift our hands in church and sing, great is your faithfulness, because you've been faithful in the past, you will be faithful today and tomorrow because God keeps his promises God keeps his promises God keeps his promises and you know what sometimes it looks different than what you're expecting and sometimes it doesn't happen as fast as you would like it to happen and sometimes that prayer for healing is answered right away And sometimes you only see it when you get to heaven and there's no more sickness and no more suffering and no more pain. But God keeps His promises. Has God made you a promise, church? There was a word spoken over this church, uh, the prayer ministry guys felt it a few weeks ago, of people who have been praying for breakthrough and you've been praying and praying for years for the same thing. and, And it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. I want to encourage you to keep praying. If God's made you a promise, write it down somewhere. Write it somewhere. that you, Stick it to your fridge. Put it somewhere you see it every day. Put it in your Bible. And believe it. And pray about it. And cling to it. And trust. And until God tells you to pray something different, don't allow the circumstance of your life to cause you to doubt the promises that He is making you. Because God is faithful. God is faithful. He keeps His promises. And he invites us, as his people, he invites us to partner with him in releasing possibility over the impossible. God invites us to partner with him to release, impossibility, sorry, release possibility over the impossible. Let me say that again because I messed it up. God invites you and he invites me. Every single one of you, not just the couple at the front he invites you and he invites me to partner with him in releasing possibility over the impossible. It took 70 years, 70 years from when Jeremiah made that promise of God for it to be fulfilled in Ezra 1, 70 years That means if God makes a promise today and it takes 70 years, most of us, and myself included, will probably not be alive to see it fulfilled. But God keeps his promises. 70 years. 70 years of of God saying, "I, I, I want you to hold on to that promise and believe that promise. 70 years of the psalmist saying, what you sow in tears will one day be reaped in songs of joy. 70 years, 70 years of praying and trusting and worshiping and sacrificing and giving of yourself again and again and again so the next generation can reap in songs of joy. Guys, I'm only into this church. I'm a complete newbie, but I want to honor the generation that was here 10 years ago That had the vision to see the possibility of the lives and the city being changed through this place that took that step of faith and give sacrificially and financially and prayerfully. I want to honor the generation before that who who were willing to sacrifice the things they love so the next generation can stand up. I want to honor the generation before that, that that had a vision to plant this church as the city grew. And the sacrifices they made, leaving a church that was thriving down the road, and to come here to a place where there was nothing. There was nothing. And God says, it's like, it's like water that comes, streams that come in the Negev, in the desert. Because he invites us to partner with him in releasing possibility over the impossible. And Jeremiah's promise, and we're going to land this here. Jeremiah's promise was this God's promise through Jeremiah. These people were living in captivity, in exile. They had lost everything. The people didn't like them that they were living beside. And God spoke through Jeremiah, and He spoke to the Jewish people, and He said, I want you to bless the city. He said, I want you to seek the prosperity of the land and the city in which I have planted you. I want you to give your lives for the good of the people around you. I want you to pour your life out. I I, I, I want you, I want you to bless this land and and seek its prosperity, and it's only after you bless the land and seek its prosperity, then, 70 years, then I will build my temple in Jerusalem. And as I've been, there's been something building in this church and emerging through this vision that we've been praying about and thinking about and learning about over the past weeks and months. There's been something building and rising to the surface and and we had people in last night who spoke something similar to this over us. But see the words on the screen that arise out of this promise in Jeremiah. I think, I, I believe that these are God's words to us as a church. This is a promise over us for our next season of ministry. If you bless this city, God says, I will build the church. I've been praying about this. I've been asking the prayer ministry guys to pray about it. I've been asking our staff team to pray about it. I'm asking you to pray about it as well. And there's a possibility I've got this totally wrong. But it just feels like it's coming at us from every corner. And God is saying to us, or I believe that God is saying to us, if you bless this city, I will bless the church. And so I finish with a question. I know what many of you do volunteering here in church, in BB and GB you know, with the Wednesday stop and the lunch club, with all of the activities and organizations that we have. I, I, I see you about this place all week, giving an hour here and an hour there of voluntary work. I, I, I know how you lay down your lives to bless the church. My question is not for the two or three hours you spend here. My question is for the other six days in the week that you spend out there with your families and your workplace and your communities. What does it look like for you to bless the city? What does it look like for you to be a blessing in the place where you work, in the school where you learn, in the university where you're growing, in the coffee shops where you drink coffee? What does it look like for you to be a blessing? This promise. Write it in your Bibles, pray about it, cling to it. We're gonna be stepping into it, I believe. If you bless this city, I will bless the church. Let's pray. Church, why don't you stand with me as we pray? When we start this thing, I'm gonna invite the prayer ministry guys to come forward as well because there's space to respond here. This weekend, God is... God is going to change lives and touch lives. Come Holy Spirit. And minister your presence. Minister the Father's words. Release love and release change in our hearts. There's two things that I feel really strongly this morning. The first one is, is, is that word that, that came a number of weeks ago that there are people here who have been clinging to a promise and, and, and you're about to give up on it. And God is saying, Remember, I keep my promises. And if that's for you, I really want to invite you to, to come and, and allow the prayer ministry guys just to pray with you. You Don't even need to tell them what the promise is. Just allow them to come and minister to you and encourage you and pray with you. And the other thing is this. There are people here today who's, who when Billy shared his story on the screen, you, your heart broke. But it broke because... Because you know you need Jesus in your life. And you've been too scared up to now to to admit that or to respond to that. Scared of what you have to give up. Scared of what people might say. Scared of... Scared that it doesn't actually include you. And there are 353 promises in the Bible that tell us that Jesus came to die for you, to love you, and to forgive you. And I want to ask you to be really brave this morning. And if you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want that hope, I invite you to come and and speak to one of our prayer ministry guys. And they would love to pray with you and help you take that step of faith to become a Christian this morning. Don't leave. This is is a harvest celebration. This is a landmark moment in our church. And this is the moment when your life is gonna change forever. Don't be scared, come forward. Because God, you are faithful. And no matter what our lives look like today, we want to declare your faithfulness over it, over the mess, over the chaos, over the disappointment, over the confusion, over the frustration. We want to say great is your faithfulness. Great
0: is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. faithfulness."